If you are an arts educator, a parent or booster of an arts program, or an administrator, you should probably stay tuned to learn a little bit more about making your program more accessible to the business community. Stay tuned. Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts podcast. Open and frank discussion about supporting and growing the performing arts, such as instrumental, vocal, drama, dance, marching, and pageantry arts. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 217. We're going to be talking today about making your arts program more business-friendly, maybe a little bit more business-compatible. My name is Brian Gilbert. I am the founder and CEO of FansRays. Uh, our, our business, our focus is built around helping performing ensembles, performing nonprofits, music programs, arts, drama, uh, get a leg up on more sensible, more efficient, and much more effective fundraising. So that's very important to us. And one of the things that we get asked about quite a bit is how can our program grow? How can our program uh, take advantage of opportunities that might be right in our backyard? Uh, we're obviously a piece of the puzzle when it comes to raising funds and, and the revenue picture of a performing ensemble, whether it's a high school band program, whether it's a, a nonprofit drum and bugle corps or a youth performing activity. Uh, so we're going to spend some time talking about how you can go about creating an approach and and putting together a more sensible roadmap in terms of how to build your, your program using some of those resources that could be locally or regionally available to you. But first, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, make sure we touch, uh, many of you listening, following the podcast are also following us on Facebook or uh, other social media. Facebook is, you know, obviously um, where we spend a lot of our time. And we do some things on Facebook Live from time to time. Uh, we typically announce uh, new features, new aspects of the platform, the program, uh, new resources that are available. So if you're not already following us on Facebook, you can like our page and also be sure to follow and uh, be able to enable updates uh, so we can let you know what's going on. Uh, we recently released a new publication. It's called The Band Parents Guide to Competitive Marching Arts, breaking down the what, the how, and the why of marching adjudication. And now that we're into October, I'm recording this on October 3rd, and we're now uh, well into the fall high school marching band scene. I'm sure many of you listening to this this episode have already been out. Your bands have been out to contest. You've been out to competitions. Um, and, and I think for uninitiated parents, understanding how these things are structured uh, and really making sense of it all is really helpful. And I feel as if when parents better understand how the kids are being assessed and ranked and rated, I think it gives parents and kids some common ground that they can then be able to talk. So, and a lot of times the kids understand this pretty well because I think instructional staffs and, and educators by and large do a nice job overviewing uh, not just how to do the marching and the, and the drumming and the horn playing and the spinning and dancing thing, but really why. 
you know, why are we, why is the technique program instructing you to do this versus that? Uh, and I think that uh, the more the parents understand about it, the more enjoyment I believe parents will be able to get out of it and supporting their kids. And really, that's all kids want. They just they just want support. They just want uh, a friendly face or several in the uh, in the crowd. Uh, the bigger cheering sections, the better. So this has really been uh, written from the perspective of for parents that are new to the activity or those that are just curious. Uh, about getting a better understanding about how judging is conducted. Uh, I think that that report does a great job breaking it all down on a high level. Uh, you And we also include resources that if you'd like to go a little deeper and to a deeper dive into the adjudication process, you can do that. So uh, I will put a link to that piece of content. Uh, it's on our website, uh, but I'll put a link in the uh, podcast description so everyone can go find that. So that's that. All right, so when we talk about more business-friendly, making your program more business-friendly, so I think it's very important, first and foremost, to understand that, let's say you're a high school band program or you're a community music program, and you exist in a local uh, or regional environment, meaning that uh, your attendees for your concerts and your stage events are all pretty much local people, uh, you're supported in some way, shape, or form by a local school board or maybe a nonprofit board, uh, and you probably do some degree of fundraising uh, in your backyard. Uh, in the case of, let's say, a high school band program, I think that there are some opportunities to leverage or better leverage uh, the things you have going for you. And I think the community perception of your program is very important never to lose sight of. Uh, I think that if you're doing it right, <laughs> your arts program is probably among the most visible and high profile areas of your school in general. Uh, and if you're an independent nonprofit performing ensemble, hopefully you've gained some visibility and credibility and some awareness in your neck of the woods. And I think that a lot of times educators, boosters, administrators might sell them their program a little bit short when it comes to looking at that opportunity to maybe partner and uh, you know buddy up with local businesses, commercial entities, corporate entities as well. So always remember, uh, you know there there has to be some sort of trade. Uh, what can you? What value do you bring to the business? So if you're going to go to the local supermarket, the cleaners, the car wash, the um, uh, you know the, the the retail center, you have to understand that you're asking in some. Maybe it's a, a cash donation. Maybe you're asking for in kind. Uh, types of, of sponsorship or contribution. So if it's the dry cleaner, maybe you're not going to get a check written uh, uh, you know, as a donation, but maybe it's free dry cleaning for not just the marching band uniforms, maybe choir robes, maybe maybe concert attire, things like that. Um, so there, there are various types of, of support that you can get. Um, you know, obviously taking things in trade is, is helpful. Uh, but doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to invest in that new uh, set of percussion equipment or the new sound system that your facility needs. So I think look at, make a list of the things that you can bring to the table for those local businesses. Number one, 
I would, I would assume exposure to a highly engaged, motivated, and supportive audience. So if you're a, a band booster or a music director at a high school um, department chair, let's say, you've got a lot of ensembles under your purview with a lot, hopefully touching a lot of kids and a lot of families. And that comes with a certain degree of clout that you have available to you. So if you have a way to measure that and potentially monetize that, that could be, uh, you know, just uh, patronizing an event or holding an event at a restaurant, uh, you know, rather than do something in your high school cafeteria, what if you were to actually have it at a restaurant? Uh, spend, a, spend a little bit of money with them, they'll probably be able to give that back uh, several times over to you in terms of donations and uh, additional assistance. Uh, take a look at display opportunities, whether it's web display. Uh, you know, we'd love we'd love to include your banner ad on our homepage. Uh, include your uh, your your ad in our email blast or our newsletters, things like that. Uh, it could also be physical display. It could be signage uh, in your auditorium, in uh, your in possibly in your football stadium. Uh, could be in the programs that you pass out and distribute at events. Uh, so there's a lot of different touch points that you can bring to bear, uh, basically like a captive advertising program. Uh, not to mention social media. Uh, not to mention uh, promising or or delivering to posts a, a month, let's say, uh, involving the advertiser in some way, shape, or form. Um, and it, you could really look at it as an advertising package. And assembling those packages is not difficult to do. Uh, so one of the things that I really recommend, uh, and I think <laughs> uh, when I was a band director a long, long time ago, we didn't have LinkedIn at the time. And if I had it available to me uh, today, one of the first things I would do as parents would come into the organization is I would be sure to connect professionally with the parents of your students on LinkedIn. Uh, and the reason for that is you get a very different perception of what parents are doing, what they have done in the past. So you might have a stay-at-home mother of a student that previously may have left the workplace, uh, but maybe ran marketing communications for uh, a regional uh, a regional company. Uh, so that could be somebody that could help your program out immensely along the areas of internal, external communication, writing ad copy, uh, you know, basically being uh, the control of the voice of your program. If you have somebody that is in sales or in business development, that is a great skill set for something like putting together advertising, uh, a captive advertising campaign program and going out and offering that to local businesses. So I think figuring out who owns what in your organization is key. And LinkedIn really gives you an opportunity to get to know the skill sets of your parents. I know some directors that I'm friendly with, they have a questionnaire uh, that they do every year just to get the, get a sense on what parents are doing, what they're good at, what they like to do. And the perfect storm is that if you can find a parent that can kind of uh, get hyped up to do some of that volunteer work. And again, it's all volunteer and everyone's busy and nobody has enough time. But if it's in an area that they think that they can really help move the needle and make a difference, you're going to typically get uh, a much, much better result. 
the second thing is really developing your offer. What is your ask and what is your value proposition as an organization? And we recently published a blog article. So if you pop over to fansraise.com slash blog and go find the blog post on making your arts program more corporate business friendly. Uh, we actually have linked examples to different programs and some of their sponsorship packages. It's really not difficult to do. I think one of the things you need to do, though, is be realistic in what your the size of your audience actually is. So you just adjust the sponsorship levels uh, to be appropriate to the amount of exposure that they get. Um and I think also somebody needs to do the legwork. So it's one thing to build some advertising packages and, and maybe put together like a like a, a sell sheet, like a one pager that you can take around to local businesses or email it or fax it or you know, whatever. But uh, I do also think that somebody actually has to knock on some doors and make some phone calls. And it's not enough to just build it and they will come. I think uh, you actually have to get down in the weeds and actually go out and meet with some of those business leaders and ask for the help. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them why it's important to the community. Um, and the more touches that you make, the, the more yeses you will get. Um, and the last thing is I wouldn't wait until you're in a bowl game cycle or a big band trip year to start thinking about this. I would. This is something that the sooner you start, the sooner it will begin to build. And you want you in a lot of cases, you're going to start these advertising and these marketing partnerships very, very small. And you're going to hopefully grow them over time. Uh, when something new and exciting comes up, let's say you you kind of aim a little low and just go for, uh, let's say, attract 10 new businesses as sponsors. And you start off with something that's kind of a modest package. Um, involves some social media promotion, uh, ads in the in the program book, um, maybe a, a Facebook post a, a month, whatever whatever it happens to be. And then let's say next year your organization gets accepted to go perform at the Rose Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, Outback Bowl, or go tour London with a band uh, a band tour on a on a concert abroad, uh, something that's a big deal. Then instead of going to businesses cold with that big thing to do, you've already warmed them up to the idea. Uh, you've shown them that you can deliver on things that are promised. And everyone wants to get behind something that is successful. It's just much easier to, rather than move it from zero to 10, from level zero to level, level 10, it's much easier to move from, let's say, a level five to a level 10 in terms of commitment. So I think the most important takeaway is that the relationships need to start somewhere. And the best time to open up a new dialogue with uh, a small business, uh, a local company, uh, maybe a regional enterprise is to start early and start soon. And then as people cycle in and out of your booster program due to graduations or attrition or whatever, um, you know, you find people to backfill those positions. Uh, and then generally you're going to be able to cover all of your bases in a sustainable way uh, that, that may probably, if you do it right, as a director or as a booster president, this program should outlive you and your usefulness to the organization. Uh, so give that some thought. Again, the uh, if you go to the uh, blog, if you go to fansraise.com and just visit our blog, 
you will find that uh, among our most recent blog posts. So I hope this was helpful. Um, I know this is a very uh, exciting time of year in that um, you know October is really where you you start to begin to see uh, the progression that the kids are making in their fall ensemble activities, whether it's marching band or concert band or jazz band or uh, even like a fall musical theater production. We're now into school. We're into the groove. We've had we've got you know a few dozen uh, rehearsal hours under our belts uh, that are, you know, we're, we're past band camp now, let's say, or past the start of school and things start to calm down a little bit. And generally this is where the, where the fun part starts uh, for a lot of, for a lot of organizations. So our best to all of you. Uh, we hope we can help you at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, if you want more information on FansRays, you can visit us at fansrays.com. Uh, you can read about us. You can visit our blog, our podcast. Uh, our different uh, publications are available there. So don't be a stranger. We will talk to you soon.